thinking. I actually don't know that entrepreneurs are born. I think it is nurture. Right. I think that can come later in life, actually. I think that you can go through a few jobs, learn a few things and go, you know what? I could do this myself. What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Power Play. And on today's episode, I am joined by Eric Huberman. What's happening, man? What's going on? Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's an absolute honor to speak with you. I'm very, very excited for this podcast. Um, so for the listeners listening that don't know who Eric is, Eric, you have a multi-million dollar business, which we're going to touch upon eventually. But first, before we dive into that, if you could just give myself and the listeners some insight on who you are and you know what you did before you started uh, Hawk Media. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, where should I start? I, I born and raised, uh, born in LA, raised in a place called Ojai, small town. Um, grew up there, went to college at Arizona and, you know, grew up on it with an entrepreneurial dad that, uh, frankly, I, as the oldest always pushed me to do my own thing from a young age. And when I say young, I mean, like when I was eight, I told him I wanted a, an electric guitar and he told me to, he's like, great, go get a fucking job. Yeah. And so it was, and again, like, thankfully we had means my parents had, had as my wife calls a blessed upbringing in childhood, just because it was like small town could go out and ride my bike all over and like just fun toys and things like that. But it was also like, if I really wanted something, I, all my needs were covered. If I wanted something though, I had to work for it. And so always had some scheme going, whether I executed it on, on it or not, didn't always happen, but I, you know, literally went door to door selling, I collected a bunch of stuff in my parents' house that I decided as a six-year-old, they didn't need anymore and sold it door to door at eight. When I was told to get a job, uh, I tried selling lemonade and I didn't make money fast enough. So <laughs> I started buying and selling beanie babies and that thing went crazy. Uh, yeah. And so made thousands of dollars as an eight-year-old selling, buying and selling beanie babies and trading them. And so similar to like what's going on now with a lot of the trading card world and NFTs and all that, yeah. like different scale, frankly, but like, still it was like this eight-year-old making hundred selling Beanie Babies for hundreds of dollars each. And so then buying them for five bucks. So that went, um, yeah, that went well. And then, uh, just grew up like always having a, an eye at business. The reason, uh, so I ended up buying that guitar. I thought I was going to be a, you know, rock star musician until right. I was about 12, 13 years old and didn't, and then realized I just, I'm not that good. I still to this day have the guitars sitting behind me. I have guitars all over my house, but I'm not that good. I enjoy it, but I, I don't know that other people like listening to it as much as I like playing. So that's hard to build a career around. And so just started doubling down on business and had different ideas throughout middle school, high school that I like tried to execute on or did a little things here and there, but just always kept learning. And then when I came out of college, I thought I wanted to get into real estate. I uh, had been exposed to it through my family and I, I went off on my own and joined a brokerage, but it was exactly a week to the day before the entire banking industry collapsed. So wow. I had, had to kind of, after about six months of making no money and that year, I literally made 350 bucks my first year out of college. I was like, all right, I got to figure out something else. And so ended up launching an online music company, really long story short, but that's what threw me into kind of digital and online. And the rest was history, so to speak, ended up building two e-com companies, selling them started advising and consulting for a bunch of brands because I had built some experience and success in e-commerce and helping other brands figure out digital and realized how broken the whole marketing industry was and that most agencies, 99% of them are completely full of shit. A few mm -hmm. that are good are really hard to work with because they're expensive. They want long contracts, high minimums, et cetera. 
And it's kind of the similar note in-house, like the really good marketers are expensive and the ones you can get generally for a normal price don't know what they're doing. And without right. the right infrastructure right. around them, you're going to have problems. And so we built that infrastructure and started and started with seven people now bootstrapped to like a little over 250 people, managed marketing awesome. for about 100 brands, have a venture fund, a cap financing arm, all sorts of things. So that's what we built over the course of about seven and a half years. So would you say that, you know, you mentioned your parents and your dad, would you say they are the driving force for your entrepreneurial mindset? I mean, you, you oh, yeah. know, you're either an entrepreneur or you're not, but like, cause because me, I believe I'm one as well. My parents, we own businesses. They own a gym and we own a pizzeria. You know, uh -huh. my dad's bounced around a few other businesses. And like, it's it's hard to explain that kind of mindset. You know, so would you say it formed from an early age? Because, I mean, you said you went and you sold Beanie Babies. You were like the Gary V of Beanie Babies, I guess you can say. Yeah, it was. I think there's a few things to unpack there. I think I actually don't know that entrepreneurs are born. I think it is nurture. Right. I think that can come later in life, actually. I think that you can go through a few jobs, learn a few things and go, you know what, I could do this myself. And you see that. I think that's probably the most common form of entrepreneurship is, you know, I think first time entrepreneurs, the average age is like 40 something. So it can happen later. I think this age, we celebrate entrepreneurship in a different way. And so you see a lot of younger entrepreneurs, but I also, I just saw this happen. A guy my age, I'm 34, a guy like my age, like 34, 35, I think uh, after two decades of trying to be an entrepreneur, just went and took a job at a big tech company. Cause like yeah. what you realize is, you know, the expected value, so to speak of how much you can make. I, I don't know that it's that different between taking a job and starting a business because failure you know, you can end up, there's a, a giant portion of entrepreneurship that's making 50K a year because you can't afford to pay yeah. yourself anymore yeah. or less. And that's the average salary of big in the US is around 50K. So like just giving context, like it's not, you know, and it, there's a lot of risk in it. And, but I grew up the reason, and again, I, I think that there's risk in all of it because the risk in getting a job is you're, whoever's running the company misruns it and screws it up and has to fire you or someone's opinion of you is really what drives your success, whether it's a promotion or keeping your job, et cetera. So like, I, I think both have their own inherent risk, but I grew up with a dad that started, his dad started a company. He ran it for a while and then he started more and built more. And so I just grew up where like, it was like, you can get a job or you can start your own thing. And yeah. to me, I had a couple of jobs in high school that mismanaged me and were kind of shitty, um, not all around, but like I had a, an experience at 16 when, I was training people making 25% more than I was. And I was like, mm -hmm. why is this happening? And I went to the GM of the company and he went, oh, well, I, you know, it turned out my direct manager was taking credit for all my work and telling the GM that he did it instead of me. And so I was wow. like, oh, wow, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not going to win that argument. Yeah, yeah. No, not even. So, so it was just like, I had those lessons combined with knowing that it was an option, which I think is like the most underrated value and what people talk about with the opportunity gap and how a lot of kids don't grow up with this, I don't think it's necessarily that it's just a, like an opportunity sitting in front of them. It's also just the little nuance of like, I was, I grew up around a bunch of entrepreneurs that it was like, yeah. oh, so you can do that. Like, it's yeah. that simple. It's took it for exactly. granted. That's an option. And so when I, I had the option, like when shit hit the fan in the real estate side, it was like, okay, well, I can just go start something. Like most people don't have that. No, right ambition, right. Yeah. Well, I, no, actually, I wouldn't say it's ambition. I think a lot of people have the ambition. Most people don't realize how easy it is, yeah. is really what it is. No, most people don't realize like to find, you know, create an LLC is a three line document and 75 bucks. Like yep. until you do it until, or you've been around it, you don't realize how easy it really is. And like, I've just thankfully learned over time that I don't believe anyone's that fucking smart. So if someone else has done it, I can probably do it too. Yep. 
Yeah. It's it's just about doing it. You know, you just got to go out there and I guess take that risk because, you know, as an entrepreneur, not even as an entrepreneur, you're going to fail. And you just like, for example, my podcast, dude, I graduated. It's uh, a little over a year now. You graduated high school. I didn't go to college. I just didn't want to do it, you know? And I believe that I have something and I have a drive and I have these visions and I have these goals that they're going to take me far. And I truly believe in it. And, you know, I want to take that risk. And if I fail, you know, shit, so be it. But yeah, I know what my ultimate motive is and I know what I want. So, you know, I'm just taking each day, you know, day by day. Well, if you start out like in your teens, 20s, if all you do is focus on learning and trying things and yeah. fail, not failure, you're trying and learning. Like, so right. you're, as long as you got that down, because if you fail at learning when you're 18 to 20s, then you fail. Like that's not, there's nothing to celebrate. That. Absolutely. But if, like you don't have to necessarily be financially successful oh, when you're yeah. 20. You don't have any expenses. So yeah. take the time. Don't get it. Don't load up on expenses either. And one of my the least favorite things is this came up with a conversation with another, I have an, another friend that's an entrepreneur staying with me right now. And it seems to come up a lot of the idea of like a supercar being some celebration of success and wealth is like the dumbest thing. To yeah, By the way, I love it. Yeah, I grew up racing. Like I really do like cars inherently, but, you know, spending three grand a month on a Ferrari doesn't my, like, I don't have an employee at my company that makes right. this. Yeah. Like I really don't. So it's like, what, why is that a celebration? I've like, that's nothing like, mm-hmm. and it's bullshit. And so, you know, figuring out the, keeping your costs low and spending your twenties learning and trying things. And maybe you get lucky, which it happens. And at 22, 24, you find the thing that you're good at, that you also love doing and that you start to get some success. But even if that doesn't happen and you hit 30 and you're still figuring it out, that's okay. You also now have age gap. Yeah. Right. Well, and you also now have a decade of learning, you know, you you're way ahead of most people because most people don't take that approach. Most people, you know, like in college, I, looked for jobs I could learn something from because or a lot of kids get jobs like and no kids making a lot of money not no kids but most kids are not making a lot of money and during their summer breaks or whatever when they're working you're getting but a lot of them take like bus boy and waiter jobs or whatever it is and it's like why take that when you can go take get the same pay and work in an office of a law firm and a real estate company investment trust something that like you're going to learn something about making money with if that's your ambition if you're you know, engineering right. focus or something, then definitely go do that too. You know, if you're wanting to get into acting, why wouldn't you take like a production assistant job versus a waiter job? Like, yep. you know, it's these kind of things that you're like, and I get the flexibility for that specific one, but like, it's again, focus on learning. You're not going to regret it. Now, when would you say you found your passion for what you do? I mean, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you started at the age of six and, you know, you grew and you learned through experiences but when would you say that you really found like okay this is what i love to do or are you still finding that to this day so i'd say the answer is both i love what i do but i think that i surprise i've always been surprised by what i fall into and what i enjoy and it really is i love growing and building things like that's right. fun to me it's, yep. it's actually it's a hobby as much as it is a job it's like and working so, out you know yeah yep. you know, i work out regularly it doesn't show but i'm working on it <laughs> Um, but yeah, (laughs) but I, these are things like seriously, personally, professionally, like I'm also about to get my pilot's license. Like I love the idea of like progressing and learning and trying things and figuring things out and being challenged. Like those are really big drivers for me. And so the worst part of business for me is when we're not growing and I'm not able to shift my job because I want to constantly be diving into the new initiative and the new thing that we're going to be building. And that's what's driven a lot of our growth. 
And so early on, I was driven by the same things and it was just targeted at different things. In college, I made fun of marketing majors. I was like, what's marketing? You like draw pretty pictures. But quickly, when I started launching digital businesses, realized that it's not hard to manufacture a t-shirt. It is hard to sell it. So you know, figure out how to do that. So it, it just became a focus and then turned out I had a knack for it. And so things started to go well. And I will say like people talk about finding your passion and I think passion's part of it, but I think, you know, when it comes to, you know, a career, a job, you know, whatever that is, I think it actually is a lot more fulfilling with something that you enjoy and you're good at because people, I, I see a lot of people that are yeah. like, I was, I'm passionate about playing guitar. I love playing guitar. I'm really passionate about snowboarding now. Like snowboarding is one of my favorite things in the world, not fucking good at it. Yeah. So I'm not going to get a job in it. So like, I think people misconstrue this idea of like chase your passion. Cause I'm like, you should, you can be passionate about something you're really good at that also provides value and makes money. That isn't necessarily like, you know, the, the test they say is like, if you had hundred million dollars, what would you do the rest of your life? I think I would like to wheel and deal and do the things I'm doing, but like, yeah, I'd probably snowboard more, but again, that's not, I don't know that that'd be fulfilling. Right. I understand that completely. So now that we're on this side of things, tell me a bit more about your business, Hulk Media. How did that get started? And you know, why, you know, just give me like, were you just sitting there one day and like, you know, Oh, here's my idea. How did this all come about? Not the, quite the opposite. There was no business plan or anything. I, uh, I had sold my last company. I didn't want to just burn through savings. So I would started consulting to figure out what, uh, to just while I figured out what I wanted to do. And I was advising a bunch of companies wanted to hire me because I had yeah. a lot of credibility in building these digital companies. So I started working with like Red Bull, Verizon, HP, a bunch of startups, et cetera, on how to drive revenue growth using marketing. And so I was advising for them while it turned out I wanted to start a tea company, which was in hindsight, really dumb. I was 26. And I didn't drink caffeine, but I was going to start a tea company with caffeine in it. It, it, it made no sense, but I thought there was an opportunity in the market. Right. And so uh, I was working on that and consulting. And every time I tried to like, I'd be like, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to run Facebook ads and we need to redo your website. Blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of like being their outsourced CMO, which became my tagline. And uh, then I'd go hire agencies or in-house for them and help people like build out their teams, et cetera. Cause I wasn't the one to execute. And every time I did that, I kind of alluded to this at the beginning, like it, most marketers are full of shit. They yeah. try to hire people. They'd waver on whether they want to work there. They wouldn't actually be as good as their resume said. They would oversell themselves. And we'd talk, we'd try to hire agencies. It was kind of the same story. Most agencies are not buttoned up. There's tons of them discerning which ones are good or terrible, et cetera, et cetera. And so I just got sick of it and decided finally, after a few months, I'm just going to hire my own little SWAT team. So hired seven people using my consulting fees, each with their own expertise. So like a Facebook marketer, email marketer, web designer, fractional CMO, et cetera. And then went back to these companies and said, hey, everything's out of cart, month to month, cheaper than hiring in-house, but you can spin up what you need when you need it. And the idea of creating accessibility to great marketing for everyone was born and that was Hawk Media. And so the original thought was like, I'm just gonna hire a small team. They're gonna work for my clients. And then uh, I'm gonna use them for my own companies. And then quickly, Hawk took off and I went, all right, I should probably focus on this. So that was part of it too. It's, you keep swinging the bat and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. something sticks and you go, all right, double down. I think a lot of people right. make the mistake of not listening to that and sticking with like, no, but I have this tea company idea. It's like, no, 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 this is working. This is, yeah. go, with go with that. How would you say, uh, did, did you picture your business, your, you know, Hulk media being as big as it is today? Did you have that vision in mind? 
or you just kind of yeah. went with the flow? The first year or the first week, I had a vision of it being a $10 million revenue business. And so and I literally set out the path of like, we're going to do uh, one, two and a half, five, ten. That's our plan. And we did that. And so that that vision, but when we hit 10, I honestly was like, well, I don't know what now. What's what, right what now? We, yeah, exactly. It, it, and it actually caused, it, it, I realized how important having a, a path and a vision was at that point, because we didn't stagnate. We kept growing, but we did not grow like we should have for two years. We had a rough two years trying to figure out and like, the, the, we added a, one of my close friends joined us as an executive for a couple of years. And he said at best, we were like, it was like our puberty phase where like yeah. our body didn't fit our brain and we were trying to figure shit out and we weren't making enough money, but we needed the, uh, the infrastructure and all this shit. And it, apparently most agencies go through that in the 10 to 20 million range. And then once we got that under our, got our ski under our skis under us again, then it, it's been great since, but it took a couple of years. Absolutely. So now, I was looking up more about you and you're a public speaker, but you also host your own podcast, Hawk Talk. Yeah. What was the inspiration behind that? You know, how did you get started on that? Yeah. You know, I was listening to some good ones and thankfully over the past almost eight years of doing this, I've met some really cool fucking people. And I don't just mean entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs, honestly, I think sometimes get boring. Like, yeah, but yeah. Some, some <laughs> great, but, um, and I just like, I was more interested in like some of the people that were at the top of their game in their field could be, you know, some Olympians, musicians, athletes, and entrepreneurs, but really amazing entrepreneurs, not someone that has a cool startup that everyone that's raised a bunch of money. But like, I respect like, I had a guy, the one that's going to go live, I think next week, a guy named Jasper Weir that started Task Us. And the guy bootstrapped that to like a $60 million company, then raised a tiny bit and is now built, I think it's five, last time I checked, it's a $5 billion company and he's 35 Jeez. years old. Like he's a machine and you'd never know it. No public right. persona, none of it. Like it's just a great fucking company. And so those kind as well. But the idea was, I know these cool people. I'd love to sit down and hear how they got there because like I've been fascinated by some of these stories of like, how, where, what'd you do when, where were you, where'd you grow up? What did your yeah. parents do? You asked me some of these questions too. And it turned out like, and no one has a consistent story. Nope. They all have different backgrounds. There's not necessarily something to point to as, oh, well, they had this, you know, maybe a little bit of push from their parents, but there's a lot of absentee parents that created great entrepreneurs. So I don't, or in great athletes and things like that. So there's not really a lot to point to. Usually someone had someone rooting for them and someone to help them, but not always. And so that fascinated me. And it's hard to call someone to say, hey, you want to grab coffee for an hour and you just tell me your life story. Right. But if you, tell me right. you have a podcast, they're usually willing to do it. So yeah. I used it as a tool for my own learning and then figured I'd publish it and get it out there. And now I think we've had I don't know, we're at like 60,000 listeners or something. That is nuts. That's really good. You have a, uh, was there a guest that released that? You were someone like that you got on like, okay, this is cool as shit. Uh, a lot. I mean, that that's what I aim for. So like, yeah, yeah. And some of the stories, um, of course, blanking on her name, but the woman that started Poopery, I, and she was so open about it. Like she had a very rough first 30 years of her life. Yeah. And like, and I had no idea. Because frankly, I like to come in kind of cold too and just right. have a conversation. Just, you know, like, conversation. It's more, yeah, it's more interesting and authentic that way. And so I was like, I, you know, it was rough to hear kind of thing, but it was just incredible what that woman did and built and everything after coming out of this. That like that was that's one that's really always stood out. But then there's there's ones that are great stories. Um, and then there's ones that I just find out something interesting. I just had Patrick Schwarzenegger on it, mm. on Sun. And just hearing about the way he was brought up and how successful and impressive he is on his own. 
be, and partially, and we talked about it because of an upbringing that Arnold raised his kids to, you know, because he came from nothing and yeah. worked his ass off and is one of the more impressive, you know, sort of American dream stories out there. And, but he's teaching his kids, like, I know I'm successful. That doesn't mean you just get it. Like, exactly. go through just hand it down. Yeah. And listening, like, don't get me wrong. When you, you know, the opportunity that's there when you're in the environment, you know, in, uh, he talks about it in Arnold's gated community growing up, like some stuff arises if you get some access, but still he hustled and has made some incredible calls and like, is an impressive investor? And, you know, that, that was the kind of stuff, like there's a few surprises. And then Chris Birch, who, you know, was mm-hmm. top star Tory Birch, yeah. like, Chris Birch is awesome. And he, he spun it to just be a lot of advice, which yeah. is through his life story, right. which he told a little bit of, but he was just constantly giving advice. That was a fun one. And, you know, Always love Gary Vee, but yep. know him well, but I knew that was a big one for our audience. So that was a fun one. I saw you had uh, Jordan Belfer on as well. Yeah, Jordan. Jordan's exactly who everyone right. thinks he is. Right. I, like, right. I like Jordan, but you got to watch it too. I will, I will for sure. But uh, would you say that, you know, you've gotten any inspiration or have you taken any of this advice from other entrepreneurs or other musicians or people you've had on the podcast? taking advice from them yeah like have you like used their the information that they've put out there for yeah. others and you know i mean because obviously you're the one having a conversation with them because i know for me personally you know i like i had vic blends on uh back in february and i absolutely love the conversation and like i took so much just from that one conversation like yes i put it out there for my listeners but i also took in for myself if you say you've done that as well oh yeah 100 percent. no I, I actually i'm always balancing like i'll have my i take notes on my phone when i'm like mm-hmm. have ideas and stuff and I'm always trying not to look down while I'm on my podcast. I'm like, shit, I need to remember to do that. Like they, you know, when you're hearing someone's success story and I'm talking to people that are generally a lot more successful than I am. And so when I'm hearing like what they did and how they did it, and blah, 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 I'm like, like the going back to task us, Jasper, the $5 billion company. Yeah. Uh, I have notes that I, because that was just, I think I interviewed him on Thursday and I was out Friday um, about how he's created culture because culture is such a critical part of my business too. And he's done an incredible job. He's got, I think, 20,000 employees now. Wow. And he's done such a good job of culture. And he was talking about how he, it just went there. And he was like, how did you do it? And we started talking in detail. I'm like, I need to do some of this and started taking notes. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I, I do the same thing. I got a uh, notebook down there. I haven't written in since our last podcast, but I got one more question for you before we go here today, dude. Sure. What advice, well, not really advice, but what, worked for you you know that you could tell the listeners like hey here's what worked for me maybe you might be able to take something from somebody who could relate yeah the my the most important lesson i've learned in entrepreneurship is uh, i'm going to tell a long story short but i had a big catastrophe from my view a month in a business that was going to like potentially crush my business and it was like a guy flaked out like all sorts of stuff happened and i call my dad and tell him this five minute long diatribe about like everything that's going wrong and what am I going to do? And I could lose my business and I'm only a month into this. Da, 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 da. And his response after listening for five minutes goes, yeah, that shit happens all the time. Anyways, I got to run and talk to you later. <laughs> and it was the most indirect lesson and valuable lesson I to this day carried with me, which is if you run a business that, or that shit happens all the time, yeah. like you're always going to be dealing with something like you're going to get thrown curveballs. You're going to go get thrown bullshit. And like, look at the biggest companies in the world, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, you're dealing with trade wars and inner, you know, geopolitical shit, like bigger problems than I'm dealing with right now. It's what you ask for. And so when you kind of like, it's kind of that taking the power thing, like when you understand that, like 
entrepreneurship is a choice. You're not a victim. And your shit that's going to happen to you, welcome to entrepreneurship. It's part of it. So when you like accept that and understand that, <clears throat> the mental game of being an entrepreneur, it becomes so much more fun because then it's just another challenge. You're like, yeah, this is what, like, I'm, I, you can always go get a job. You can always dump your business. Like you, there's always other options. So don't be a victim and be like, oh God, what was me? Like, you know, now when something comes up and we do, like the bigger your company gets, the bigger the problems are, the bigger everything gets. So you, you, we deal with some, and since we're growing so fast, our problems get bigger and bigger and yeah. our problems are really bigger than I've ever dealt with. Giant numbers, whatever, lawsuit threats, things that happen to every business, welcome to the United States. That you're like, you know, when you don't think that way, you're everything stresses you out. You internalize it. You get you get it's unhealthy. When you accept it, it becomes super fun. And that I think that's been the biggest lesson is just accept the fact that you're going to deal with the biggest issues. And if you can't find a way to enjoy that, don't do it. And if you yeah. can, you're going to have a lot more fun. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I love it. It was awesome, man. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, no, thank you for having me.